It's going to be one of those days, I'm afraid. Let's, uh, would you turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians? Philippians is where we're going to be a little bit later. We're concluding our series called Brain Boggle, and today our word is peace, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. But I hope that this series has been more than just uh, a few good messages, which you've been able to take a few nuggets from and, and go home. But I pray, my, my hope and my prayer is that God has been able to renew your mind as you begin to think differently and live out God's plan for your life. If you haven't been with us throughout this series, I want to give you a quick recap. In week number one, our word was winning, and we had our boggle pieces with our word winning uh, there. And uh, we must begin to win the battle in our mind. When we win the battle in our mind, we realize that most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. If you're taking notes, that's, that's there in your outline there. Most of life's battles are won and lost in the mind. Also, in week one, we realize that if you, you cannot live a positive life if you have a negative mind. Amen. So we got to win that battle. we got to win that battle in our mind. Then in week two, our word was training. And we began to train our mind to think differently, to, to reprogram those pathways in our brain. And in week two, we began to talk about meditation and declaration as we speak life over our thoughts and our life. Because we realize that if you can control your thoughts, then you will control your actions. You can control your thoughts, you will control your actions. And then last week, our word was reframing. Reframing. And we talked about how we got to change the frame in which we view life and our circumstances. And if we frame things negatively, we're going to find what we're looking for. And we talked about what kind of bird are you? I had a few people, when I asked them how they were doing, they said, I'm a hummingbird, Pastor. I said, that's great to hear. We've got to be looking for the positive. We've got to be looking for life instead of life as a vulture and looking for death and decay. And it's all important to us because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thought. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thought. And so today, we're going to talk about the final word in our brain boggle game, and that word is peace. We're going to talk about how we get the peace of God in our thought life that transforms our life. So I want us to look at God's word this morning, and as we do that, we've been looking at the Apostle Paul and his writings to the churches, and I believe to us, and we're going to look at another one of his letters today to the church in Philippi. And I want to ask you, if you would, to stand with me for the reading of God's Word this morning from Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to begin reading with verse number 6. You follow along with me as I read. Do not be anxious about every, anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Before you sit down, I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to say, 
peace be with you today. You may be seated. There's times in our life and in the, in the life of the church where we would pass the peace. And now in our day and age, that's a little different situation. So we have to adapt that a little bit. So I hope you can pass the peace through your words this morning. And we want to get some peace today. Amen? Amen. Do you ever have runaway thoughts? Do you ever have these thoughts that just escape your mind and you begin to think so randomly or maybe even turn into irrational worries? Anybody else willing to admit that today? A couple of us? Okay, oh, good, good. I'm glad you're here today then. Let me tell you about one of those runaway thoughts that, that I've tended to have in my life. It's about a blue van, a blue van, similar to the one you see here on your screen. You see, when I was a young boy, we were driving around, and uh, we lived in, in the city of Pueblo, Colorado, which isn't a huge city, but it's about 100,000 people, and, and there's an interstate that runs right through there, and there's a major highway that runs right through Pueblo, and so we were, we were living there, and so you had to drive, you know, if you're going across town, it took some time, and, and, and we were driving one day, and all of a sudden, my dad was driving, and something happened, and a driver that was around him did not like how he was driving. And he began to tell him how there's one way to heaven with his certain finger and all that good stuff. And, but what continued to happen is as we drove home, this, this blue van continued to follow us. It continued to follow us when we made our turns off the interstate and we began to go into our neighborhood and we thought, this is not going to turn out well. And he followed us all the way to our house. And we got into the driveway, and my mom got all of us kids inside. She goes, go inside, go inside. And this guy proceeded to get out of his van and tell my dad what he thought of his driving. He began to threaten my dad. He began to really just use a bunch of words that I wasn't allowed to say and still don't say. And it was just one of those things that just didn't go well. And I remember my mom saying to me, Okay, now there's somebody out there that drives a blue van that knows where we live, that does not like the way your dad drives and the way he responded to him. And so anytime you see a blue van, I want you to run home and lock the door so that you're safe. So this blue van still haunts me today. An irrational thought, a thought that takes us to a place where, where we sometimes in our minds we get, we get worried, we freeze, we don't know what the next step is going to be. You know, maybe you've been in a place where your mind runs away. Maybe when you were in school or maybe you've had this happen to you if you're in school and you're worried about this test that's coming up and you begin to, to worry about it and stress about it because if you don't get good grades, then you're not going to go to the, the college that you want to go to or your parents want you to go to. And if, if you don't get into that college, then you're probably not going to get that dream job that you want. And if you don't get that dream job, then you're probably not going to meet that perfect person for you and your spouse. And then if you don't meet that perfect person, then when are you ever going to start a family? And then when you do start a family, you've got these kids to take care of, and then you've got to figure out their schooling, and what are they going to do? Are they going to homeschool or go to public school? If I put them in public school, then there's all this, I'm putting them in a place where there's all this sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and I don't know what I'm going to do, and there's all this other evil stuff that's going on. And then 
they grow up and I got to pay for a car for them to drive and I got to worry about them driving that car. Then they're going to go to college and I got to pay for college, but I'm still paying for my college and, and I just don't know how it's going to happen. And all of this stuff keeps compounding and compounding and compounding. And really all you had to do was study for the test. Anybody ever been like that? When we begin to worry, we begin to stress, we begin to think about these thoughts in our life, they begin to compound and they grow and they become something that comes completely out of control. So I want us to talk today a little bit about that. Talk about worry and the mind for a little bit today. Our key thought throughout this series has been your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thought. This means that anytime you're afraid or you're anxious or you're worried and you begin to dwell on that thought, it will compound. It will continue to grow. I want to give you a little bit more science today. Is that okay with you? I'm not a scientist, so if, if I say something wrong, please use some grace and give me some grace in this. But uh, I've been studying this as, as I've been preparing these messages and I've been thinking about, God, you have created us with this brain, and you have revealed your revelation to these scientists, to these people who are smarter than me, and they've figured out some of these things about our brain. So I want to tell you about the brain a little bit, a little bit, a little portion of the brain. There's this little, and Pastor Greg and Sarah and Leah can probably correct me if I'm wrong in this, because you guys have been doing a lot of study on the brain as well, too, but there's a little almond piece, or looks like an almond-shaped portion of your mind. And it's called the amygdala, okay, the amygdala. And the amygdala is the part of your brain that is hardwired for survival. In other words, this is the part of your brain that is responsible for fear. The dangerous part of the amygdala is that it will send strong doses of adrenaline to your body so that you respond in situations where you are hardwired to have fear. Okay, let me give you some examples. If your brain was only operating by the amygdala, you would see this picture of a poisonous snake coiled up, ready to strike, and you would run away as far as you could unless you were Annie Nash. Okay? Right, Annie? You would take care of this, right? Yes. So when I was a little kid, here's, a, here's another free story for you. My parents were off at some retreat for pastors, and we were staying at uh, one of this dear, dear couple in our church, and they lived out on a farm, and so we were out on the farm with them, and all three of us kids at the time were, I was probably the oldest, or I was the oldest, but I was probably maybe four years old at the time. So it was four, three, two, something like that. And so we had to go down into their cellar, to get some of her canned jelly or jam for biscuits the next morning. And she took us down to that cellar. Yes, they were good too. They were good. She took us down to that cellar. And we were so excited to be at the farm and something new. And we got about five steps from the bottom and she saw this rattler just ready to strike. Rattles going like crazy. And she grabbed all three of us in her arms and she just ran out of that cellar. We didn't get jelly that day. But if you see a poisonous snake, the amygdala part of your brain tells you, and this is scriptural, tells you to run, tells you to fear the poisonous snake. 
Okay, if you see this on the road, somebody is texting and driving, nobody would get in. You would probably hide. You would maybe get the lamp next to your bed to defend yourself or get your gun out or whatever you do to protect yourself. But it's the reason your brain wired is hardwired to say, you know what? There is something going on that is not okay and it causes us to have worry or fear. You see, the problem though with this amygdala by itself, the amygdala is not objective. It is hardwired in our brains to do this, to help us to respond to fear. The amygdala needs another part of the brain, which is the prefrontal cortex, to help us balance these things out. So the prefrontal cortex is the logical part of the brain. So in other words, if you hear this noise at night, your amygdala fires and says, uh-oh, I'm going to die. It's extreme, okay? But the prefrontal cortex says, you know what? That's probably just the cat. And then if it is the cat, then you probably need to get up and take care of the cat so that it doesn't interrupt your sleep. And I could give you some suggestions on how to take care of that if you want. Talk to me after the service. But the amygdala by itself is extreme, and it causes us to go to one extreme where we're fearful and we're scared. But the prefrontal cortex, isn't it amazing how God has created us in such an incredible way that he's formed us together in our mother's womb, that our brain is wired in such a way to, to help itself out? The prefrontal cortex gives us the opportunity to realize some rationale in responding to how we've been hardwired. In other words, acting by itself, in my life, all blue vans are considered dangerous. But now that I understand what's going on, I can see a blue van and not run home scared because I can have the peace of God in my life for what he's done in my life. Amen? So here's what we need to realize today, though. We need to realize three, three simple things here. We need to realize that in Scripture and, and throughout creation, Jesus, Jesus did not say these words. He did not say, let your hearts be troubled. Jesus didn't say that, did he? He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You see, when the angels were announcing Jesus' birth and he was coming to, to earth, the angels did not say, glory to God in the highest, Stress and anxiety over all the earth. The angels didn't say that. They said, peace on earth. And we got to realize that today Paul didn't say, be anxious about everything. But what did he say in our text, as we can see it here again on the screen? He said, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, your, your test, your job interview, your future spouse, your financial burdens, your, your battle that you're struggling with physically, or, or maybe you're struggling with an addiction, your marriage challenges, your relationships, with everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, get this one, this is the key, I believe, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. It does not say, do not be anxious about anything in every situation with thanksgiving. Try your best to conquer the world. It doesn't say that. It says, present 
your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's good news this morning. Amen? So how do we experience the peace of God? Sometimes we're facing these types of anxious situations in our life, and we're going to say things like, you know, you may be at the end of your rope, and, and I know I've said this before, so don't feel guilty that I'm, that I'm pointing this out, but sometimes we get to the point where we say, you know what? All we can do now is pray. It's all we can do. And the more that I hear this from people, the more I think, you know what? I hope, I hope that that's not really what we mean when we say that. Because prayer should never be our last resort, amen? Prayer is a powerful thing. It should always be the first thing we turn to. But yet sometimes we're in those moments and we say, you know what, all we can do is pray. You see, prayer is powerful. And God's Word tells us that as His children, we can approach His throne with confidence and boldness to present our request to Him. You see, prayer is so powerful. Prayer can change the heart of God. But see, not only does prayer move the heart of God, what we need to know for us today is that prayer changes the chemistry of your brain as well. Let me give you some more science. A few decades ago, this was not very long ago. A few decades ago, uh, this Dr. Carolyn Leaf was studying the brain and she was studying some different things. You see, a few decades before this study came out, scientists believed that the brain didn't change after adolescence. And, and I'm not talking like world is flat type long ago. I'm talking about 20, 30 years ago. In most of our lives, we've, they've come this far to realize that before this, they thought that the brain never changed after adolescence. And so they began to study this and and they began to see that they discovered something called neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity, which means that your brain is continually changing. In other words, the thoughts that we have, that we allow to come into our mind, if we do not take them captive, like we've talked about, if we do not reframe them or train them, they will begin to shape and to mold those neural pathways in our life that make it easy for us to respond in a certain way. But neuroplasticity showed these scientists and shows us today that our brain is continually changing. Something else that this study led to was something called neurotheology. Theology is the study of how we think about God. Neuro is the study of the brain and all the things that are going on there. It's also known as spiritual neuroscience. And this study is about the relationship between our brains and our belief in God. In other words, our prayers can change our brain. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, the author of a book called Switch on Your Brain, wrote this after she studied this. She said, it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Tell me God doesn't use science. Amen? Those are scientific facts, folks. 
Those are scans that doctors, that some that may have a, a faith in God, but some that may not believe in God, can see the results of a praying brain. That's something to be thankful for this morning. You see, just when we think that our toxic thoughts, our negative thoughts, our negative, our negative way of living life creates those negative pathways in our life, it hurts the brain. Prayer on the counter heals our brain. It renews our minds. The Bible says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but allow God to transform your mind by the renewing of your mind. So then that begs the question, why do we worry? Why do we panic? Why do we have anxiety and experience these stressful moments in our life? You see, there's many reasons for it. There's many reasons that we worry, but the bottom line is this. When we worry, when we have a panic attack or we are experiencing anxiety, we're really experiencing an amygdala hijacking in our brain. Paul said, our mind is dominated by sinful thinking. If you're taking notes, jot this down. What is worry? Worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and power of God. I chose those words very carefully because some of you would probably sit there and argue with me that worry is not a sin. The Bible is very clear that worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. When we talk about faith, we talk about faith is not just believing in God and believing in something we don't see, but it's putting our trust in Him. It's actually living that out. It's doing something with it. And when we put our trust out there, when we take that trust back, we begin to worry. And it's the sin of saying, God, I got this. I don't need your help. And when we take it back, normally we don't have the strength and the power to deal with it. We begin to worry, we begin to stress, we begin to fret, we begin to panic, we begin to get anxious. And Paul tells us in the book of Romans, he says that our minds are dominated by sinful thinking. Romans 8 says this, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Say that with me. Life and peace. So instead of letting my sinful nature control my mind, I've got to choose to let the Spirit direct my thinking. Amen? We have to take every thought captive. How do we do that? We've talked about it a little bit. I want to share this story with you. Would you put up that next picture? This is a God can. This is a, a uh, physical illustration that I used in one of my very first sermons as I preached when I was 13 years old. I was asked to go preach at a, a little uh, fall camping trip for our youth group, and uh, our youth leader I've talked about him before. His name is Phil. Uh, 
what I did, I was preaching on worry. Can you believe it? As a 13-year-old kid, I was preaching about worry. And uh, I made these cans for everybody that was going on the trip. And we talked about how God can take our worry if we'll let him, if we trust him. So do not worry about anything, just like we talked about what Paul's writing. And so these cans were made, and you can't see the top of the can, but we kind of opened up the top uh, so that the tab was gone and you could, see, you could have a little space. You still couldn't reach into the can, but you could have a little space. So what we did in this illustration is we, we took all of our worries that weekend and we wrote them down. And then we put them in this God can signifying, you know what, I can't take that back. And if I do take that back, it's going to hurt, physically going to hurt. I'm probably going to cut myself. So I, I sent an email to my, my friend Phil, and I said, Phil, do you still have that can? It took him maybe a minute to respond to me. He has this can sitting in his office still to this day to help remind him to take every thought captive because who can take care of it? God can. So today, how do we take every thought captive? we got to put it in our God can. Some, some of you may be thinking, you know what, Pastor? I may be able to write it down. I may be able to put it in a can, but it doesn't mean I'm going to take it away out of my mind. It's, it's pretty naive of you to think that I can just captivate every thought like this and and then I just go into denial. God can take care of it. I don't have to do anything. No, that's not what I'm saying, okay? God gives us a brain. He wants us to use it. He will help us, amen? Just as Michelle said this morning, sometimes we have to put on the armor, we have to put on our battle clothes, and we have to go fight with him. But God has it. We don't have to worry about it. So in our God can, here's what we need to do when we're leaving it in his hand. Three quick things. Number one, we've got to do what I can do. You have to do what I can do. In other words, you're personalizing that. If you have a worry, if you have a stress or anxiety in your life, you need to do what you need to do about it, what you can control. If I can change my situation and somehow to make it better, I need to do that. God has given me the ability to, to do that. I need to take the thought captive and do what I can do about it. Amen? Number two, we've got to give God what I can't do. I can't tell you how many times over the last six months that I've worked this process in my own life, in my own mind. Whatever I can do about something, I'm going to do my best to do it. But anything that I can't do anything about, I've got to surrender it. I've got to lay it down and I say, God, I can't do anything about this. I'm laying it at your feet. I'm not going to worry about it any longer. It's yours. And then here's the, here's the key. Number three, we've got to trust God no matter what. Trust God no matter what. Some of us have still continued to, to view God through our circumstances. And we may have surrendered a worry or a stress or an anxious moment in our life and we didn't feel like God took care of it the way we wanted Him to. And we began to view God through our circumstance. Well, that still happened, God, so how can I still trust you? 
No, what we have to do is we have to trust God no matter what. No matter if it's our answer that we want or if it's his answer the way he wants. Amen? That's hard. That's not easy to do. But I want you to imagine with me for a moment. If we begin to live our lives this way, imagine having a heart of peace. Imagine having a life filled with joy. Imagine having a peaceful mind that had thoughts that were positive and focused on God's goodness. Imagine trusting God with every thought in your life. So if, if our key thought is true, if your life is moving in the, in the direction of your strongest thought, do you like the direction you're going? Do you like the direction your thoughts are taking you? I'll tell you this, there's times in my life where I haven't. And it's been recently. Life's been hard at times. It's been difficult. There's been times where I've questioned what I'm doing and questioning my call and questioning what God is doing in and through my life. And there's been times in recent, in recent weeks even where I've said, I really don't like the direction that my thoughts are taking me. I don't like the things that I'm dwelling on and thinking about. I'm beginning to be tired of them. It's beginning to exhaust me physically. I can't keep up with it. I'm feeling overwhelmed. And if I don't take control of what I think, I'm never going to control what I do. So we must identify our truth. As we talked about, we've got to write it. We've got to think it. We've got to confess it until we believe it. If you're struggling with a thought, write it down. Stick it in your God can. Think about it and think about what you can do about it. Give what you can't do about it and trust God no matter what. Confess it when we're stressing about something and we have to write something in that can. Confess it. Put it in that can. And trust Him with it. And then we've got to believe that He's going to do something with it. Here's a cool part of that story with Phil this week. He sent me that picture right away and this is what he said about it. He said, BJ, I don't know what's in that can anymore. He goes, yeah, it's been a long time, but he goes, I had to trust God with it. He's able to pick up that can and he shakes it and he can hear the worries that he wrote down in that can. But he told me, he goes, I don't know what's in that anymore. <laughs> I don't know what I was writing down, but I know that I trusted God with it. Amen? Do what I can. Give God what I can't. Trust Him no matter what. We've got to write our truth. We've got to think about it. We've got to confess it. And we've got to do that until we believe it's true. For me, I have to declare those things in my life. Jesus is first in my life, and I exist to serve and glorify Him alone. I'm a disciplined follower of Christ. And Christ in me is stronger than any of my wrong desires in the flesh. I'm growing closer to Jesus every day, and because of Christ, my family is closer, my body is stronger, my faith is deeper, and my leadership is sharper. When I don't feel it, I gotta declare it. I gotta write it, I gotta think it, I gotta confess it until I believe it. My words, my thoughts, my imaginations are under the power of Jesus Christ. I take all my thoughts captive and I make them obedient to Christ. I've got to declare what's true. I've got to write it. I've got to think it. I've got to confess it until I believe it. Maybe you need to do the same thing still.
You need to realize today. You need to write it down. You need to think it. You need to confess it. Believe it, that you are not a hostage to your unhealthy thoughts. The weapons you fight with are not the weapons of the world, but you have divine power to demolish those strongholds. Amen? Maybe you need to write it, think it, confess it, believe it, that worry is not your master. You trust in God and His peace guards your heart, guards your mind, and guards your soul in Christ Jesus. Amen? Maybe you need to write it, think it, confess it, till you believe it, that you are not a slave to your habits. You are not a prisoner to an addiction. You have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's light forever. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. We must stop interpreting God through our circumstances. And we must interpret our circumstances through the goodness of God. Amen? And today, the way we get our peace, we must cover everything we do in prayer. See, we're not going to be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we're going to present our request to God because He will give us a peace that transcends all understanding that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. If your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, do you really like the direction your thoughts are taking? If not then today we can lay them down. I'm going to ask our musicians to come back. We're going to sing a song of response this morning, but I want you just to, I want you to be able to just put your notes aside or maybe you have a little spot there that you could tear out and write something down that's been on your mind. Maybe something that the Holy Spirit is laying on your heart this morning. There's, there's a powerful there's a powerful response that happens in our life when we physically do something to respond to the truth of God's Word. And maybe you can tear something out of your bulletin or maybe you've got a, a piece of paper that you can write something down on, but it's something that's been bothering you, something you've been stressing over, something you've been worrying about that you haven't been trusting God with. Maybe today's the day that you need to surrender it to Him. Give Him your worry. Put it in the God can today. So I'm going to ask you to stand with us. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to say a quick prayer here. And then we're going to sing a couple verses of this song. Maybe you don't have something to write with, but you just want to come and physically surrender your worries. Lay them at His feet this morning. You're welcome to do that. Father God, this is your time. You're a God who wants to care for His children. You're a God who loves us so much that You don't want us to have to worry or be anxious about anything. And God, there's times in our life when if what we're saying is true and our, and our life is going in the direction of our strongest thought, it's going counter to what You want for our life. 
Today it stops. Today we surrender it to you. We give it to you today. Would you help us today, God, to surrender our worry to you? In Jesus' name.